Are you guys ready for the word of God? Amen. Won't you guys welcome Teresa Maciel as she comes forward to read God's word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. So if you got your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 33. When you're there, say amen so that we know that you're with us. Romans chapter, if you're not there, say hola. All right, we're going to hola because we're people of patience. All right, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, use the table of contents. We will not judge you. As long as you know what Genesis and Revelation is, you are right. If you don't know what Genesis and Revelation is, you need to be rebaptized. That's the first and last book. Are you ready? All right. We're going English first or Spanish? Espanol. Espanol. All right. Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. Romanos capítulo 8, versículo 33 y 34. ¿Quién acusará a los escogidos de Dios? Dios es el que justifica. ¿Quién es el que condenará? Condenará, sorry. Cristo es el que murió, más aún, el que también resucitó, el que además está la destra de Dios, La de Dios. So, Take your time. Sorry. We don't know if you get it wrong. No <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> matter. <laughs> Thing is, I was practicing this all day. Right. I know, I know. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, wait, I have to go back to the beginning now. All See, right. you messed me up. Cristo es el que murió más aún, el que también resucitó, el que además está en la destra de Dios, el que también intercede por nosotros. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Amen. Amen. All right, Ken, you can start the preaching clock now. I'm just getting started. Here we go. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for life and breath. We believe that this is a day that the Lord has made, and so we will rejoice and be glad in it. We pray, God, that you would be gracious to us, that you open the eyes of our hearts, that we may perceive and receive uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray, God, that your word would go forth with power, yet with simplicity, that it may transform the heart. We ask that you would do this according to your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. And somebody say it. Can we give it up for all the graduates one last time? Mama, we made it. Indeed, we did. I know y'all are tripping about them student loans, though, and uh, God's grace to you in that. Speaking of student loans, the latest student loan debt statistics show there are more than 44 million borrowers who collectively owe 1.5 trillion in student loan debt in the U.S. alone. And go ahead and say ouch. According to the personal finance site uh, Make Lemonade, student loan debt is now the second highest consumer debt category, behind only mortgage debt and higher than both credit cards and auto loans. Student loan repayments remain as one of the biggest challenges facing graduates. Furthermore, millennials have a record high of degrees, 
but also the record high in student loan debts. But how's this for a graduation present? Robert F. Smith, a billionaire investor, just gave the ultimate graduation gift to the Morehouse College class of 2019. Smith said he will pay off each graduate student loan debt in full. I don't know about you, but I would have fell out of my seat. I would have shouted, there is a God in heaven. I don't <laughs> Woo, I would have acted a fool. I would have acted a fool. I'm not going to lie. Smith has an estimated worth of $5 billion and is the founder and CEO of Vista Equity Partners, an investment firm focused on software, data, and technology, and serves as the commencement speaker at Morehouse last Sunday. During his speech, he announced that his family would establish a grant to pay off student loan debt for all Morehouse graduates in the class of 2019, which is approximately 400 students. That brother got bread, right? He got bread. I need to, I need to shake his hand. Uh, the gift is estimated at about 40 million. And is in is an addition to a 1.5 million gift Smith already announced to Morehouse. In 2016, Smith donated 50 million to his alma mater, Cornell University. Friends, can you imagine what the class of 2019 was feeling? Maybe unbelievable joy. Many likely could, something like that, sister, many likely could barely contain themselves. What an advantage at life. What a burden of relief. One student, Dwight Lewis, expressed what it was like to hear good news as he stood there ready and waiting to receive his diploma. He said it was like a huge weight lifted off his shoulders. He felt light on his feet. What would happen if Morehouse were to send Dwight a bill after receiving such a gift? What would happen if Morehouse sent Dwight a bill after receiving such a gift? Sally Mae can never sue Dwight for student loans. It is Robert F. Smith who has paid the debt that Dwight had owed. What an awesome way to start his new life, debt free. Some of y'all educated in here, y'all know where I'm going. Y'all just hold on because I'm walking that way. I'm walking with you. Robert F. Smith gave the ultimate graduation gift, but I didn't come this morning to brag about Robert F. Smith. Friends, I came this morning to brag about God Almighty because God gave the ultimate gift of all time. It is exceedingly greater news. One better than Robert F. Smith has made his own debt-paying announcement. Oh, you don't know what it is? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have. You ought to shout right there, church. That's enough right there. The God who paid our debt is worth more than $5 billion. He's, uh, he owns all the cattle. He, 
He owns the hair on your head. Yes, that yakki you bought, he owns that. Uh, yeah, 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 I'm coming to your doorstep, the heels that you got on. He owns that, the muscles that you have. He, he owns that, the money in your pocket right now. He owns that. In fact, the breath in your body, he owns that. Oh, he's far richer than any of us can comprehend. The Bible calls him the father of lights whom all good gifts are traced back to. Our Heavenly Father has cleared, watch it church, the sin debt of all his children in full. I'm trying to contain myself because I got a long way to go. The gospel's so good when it's coming out, you can taste his goodness, you can barely contain it. But let me say it one more time, just in case you miss your shout. I said that God paid the sin debt in full of all of his children. Now you ought to shout right there. Oh yeah, that's good right there. That'll preach all by itself. If in full, what is there left to pay? Nothing. Nothing is left to be This is great news because all of us in this room, no matter who you are, black, white, short, skinny, I'm not going to say any other category, (laughs) were destined to hell forever. And you were destined there to pay the price of your eternal debt of your sin against God. Therefore, we call it Amazing grace, because unlike student loan debt, our sin debt had no end, but God ended it through Jesus. Who can charge us? Who can condemn us? No one. This is the point Paul wants to make to your soul this morning. More faithful than Robert F. Smith debt payment of the student loans at Morehouse is God's payment for you on the cross. That's how Romans 8, 33 through 34 opens. God's ongoing evidence of his faithfulness towards us is the death of his son, and we never move past it. Paul wants to show us that this payment will endure and lay exhausted any effort of any prosecuting attorney. Our verse today is a sort of tribute to God's payment for sin in the face of eternal charges. And these latter verses of chapter 8 is an insurance to you and I that all all prosecuting attorneys will fall exhausted at the feet of God's grace. And that your rebellion will fall exhausted at the feet of God's grace. In other words, what Paul is trying to say, that God's grace outruns your sin, that God's grace outruns your downfall. I'm so thankful that as jacked up and as messed up that Dexter Harris is, I have found out that I have yet to be able to outrun his grace. I'm so thankful that it's a never-ending grace. Now watch the verse as the curtain raises on heaven's courtroom. What then shall we say to these things, church? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how would he not also with him graciously give us all things? Help me preach, Holy Ghost. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Here's the first point I want to make to your hearts this morning. If God declares us righteous, who can declare us unrighteous? You see it in the beginning of the verse. He says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn. Before we explain this verse, let me tell you what God wants you to feel after understanding what the Spirit is trying to convey. God wants you to feel this morning assurance and comfort. God wants you to feel in your hearts through this verse, he wants you to feel assurance and comfort. And if I do my job well, you should feel that at the end of this. God knows his children are wrestling with a sense of continual sin, fearing potential condemnation. If you're anything like me, and if we can be real in the room, I love Jesus, but my life doesn't always reflect that I love Jesus. Every now and again, you may catch me tripping. Every now and again, you may catch me slipping, and you may catch me dipping if you catch me on the wrong day. I wish I had some people in the room who know that they're saved, but every now and again, you find yourself stepping out of your sanctity. Sometimes you find yourself doing things that you know you shouldn't do. And so sometimes when you mess up, sometimes you wonder whether you're saved or not. You wonder whether you should come to church or not because you know what you did last night. And so you wrestled this morning on whether you should come to church because you know God's seen you this morning. And so deep down in your soul, you ask yourself, am I saved? Because we are still in these yet-to-be-glorified bodies, we still struggle with sin. Therefore, we struggle with assurance of our salvation. We still doubt at times. You ain't never doubted God before? If we will get into heaven after we die, we fear hell sometimes. Paul wants to move our confidence from our performance to God's performance. Many of you struggle with assurance. Many of you struggle with a sense of God's love. Sometimes, maybe in this hour, in this moment, you don't feel forgiven. Your heart is flooded with a thousand accusations. So Paul's aim is to, A, help us understand what God has done on the legal level, but Paul also wants us to experience the gospel on an intimate level. Let me park my car right here. What Paul is trying to do is he wants us to understand what God has done legally to free us. But Paul also wants us to receive the intimacy of what God has done for us. Okay, you're not with me yet. Let me give an illustration. You know that you can be legally married and never experience intimacy with your spouse. Are you with me yet? Because some of us, we, we, we think that marriage is just a contract, but we don't understand that God is continually making that man and that woman into one. And so there's some intimacy and some relationship that has to happen because you can be in a marriage and be miserable. You can be in a marriage and want to leave. But what God wants us to understand is what he did legally. But he also wants us to understand the relationship 
that comes with it. And I'm so glad that we serve a God that wants a relationship with us. God wants us to know him. God doesn't want our relationship with him to be one that is distant. He doesn't want our relationship to be one that is ignorant. This is why the Bible says that God wants us to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or this is why in John chapter 15, he says, abide in me. And when he says abide, it means to be at home with me, talk to me, worship me, know me. Friends, I don't know about you, but I'm past just having church. I want to know God. And so when we look at the cross, we want to understand the legal and we want to understand the intimate scene. If you don't mind, friends, I'm going to start with the legal. The verse says in verse 33 that God, no one can bring charge against God's elect. You see the word charge there. The word here is eklio. I probably said that wrong, but it sounded good when I was writing it. And so there it is. <laughs> charge here is in the legal sense. Charge here, Paul is using it in the legal sense. Somebody may be arrested for something they had done or something they have, have, have done illegally. And so there are charges out there. Sometimes, watch it, don't run out the room. There may be a warrant for your arrest. Y'all chill, ain't no cops coming, all right? But, 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 but there may be a warrant out for your arrest because of the charges. But just because you got charges doesn't mean that you're condemned. It doesn't mean that you have been found guilty. The charges are being made, but any charge made against a Christian doesn't stand. Oh, yeah, any charge made against a Christian, any accusations made against a Christian doesn't stand. Well, pastor, why doesn't, why doesn't the charge stand? Well, the verse says, God justifies. Oh, that's good right there. God justifies, declares to be, and shows to be righteous. The thing, the thing that I love about God is he's a supplier of his own demand. God demands righteousness. and Oh, come on, God. And then he supplies the righteousness that you need through Jesus Christ. Friends, let this wash over your heart. God has declared sinners not guilty. Watch it now. It is not that the charges are not true. It is not that the charges are not reliable. It is not that the charges are not backed by ample evidence, but that the judge has dropped the charges. Let me say that again. It's not that... You ain't jacked up. I'm trying to say it in a way that you'll speak back to me. And it's not that you're not jacked up. It's not that you're not messed up. It's not that you didn't do what you did last night. That's not that. that, that no, 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 no. It's that God dropped the charges. In other words, it's like prosecuting attorneys continually bringing up charges before the judge. But when the prosecuting attorney is done, the judge says, once again. Not guilty. This verse puts God's declaration over the charges. Charges are against you, but they can't condemn you. To, to be condemned in court, the charges in the judge both need to be against you. We have, as we learned a couple weeks ago, 
the judge of the universe is on our side, and, is, and he is God. Romans 8.31 says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Understand that God is the only one who can justify, but he is also the only one who can condemn. Not only can God justify you, but God can condemn you. That's just how great he is, and that's just how powerful he is. The good thing is, is that when you get to God, you have reached the highest courts. Can't nobody appeal nothing else. You know, sometimes if you don't like what the judge say, you can appeal to a higher judge. But once God gives the final judgment, there's no other judge to go to because there ain't nobody over him. There's nobody like him. You can search heaven and earth, and I can promise you this, you'll find no one like him. And so God stands against the charges that are against you. Understand that God is the only one who can justify you. Now, I hear a lot of times people say that I just can't forgive myself. I tried, Pastor, to try to forgive myself, and I say, hey, hold on. You got your role mixed up. First of all, you don't have the power or authority to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. The, only, 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 the only thing you can do is receive forgiveness from the judge. And so it ain't a matter of, of forgiving yourself. It's a matter, Christianity is a matter of believing that you are forgiven. You can know if God is on your side by by how he rules your case, guilty or condemned. Who is he for? Whose side is he on? Look at the verse. No one can bring charges against who? God's elect. Elect is tied to election, which we saw a few weeks ago is God's foreknowing and foreloving those whom he will save. So elect is a shorthand for all the redeemed, all the truly saved. So how do we know God is for us? Because he has legally justified us. He has legally made us right. There is Romans 8, 1. Here it is. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus, there's the condition that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This promise is not for everybody. Don't you go out of here telling everybody that they justify. There's some people out there that God still got a warrant for their arrest. And if they don't bow to Jesus Christ, the judgment and condemnation of God is coming. But for you, Christian, believer, born again, saint, lover, beloved of God, no one can successfully accuse and convict you because God himself has shown that he is for you by justifying you. He has acquitted you. So who else out there is going to convict? Tell me, church. If one brings charges against the elect of God, it is a charge against God himself. For God has completely and totally cleared the elect, the, the elect from their guilty sin and has declared them righteous. You know what would be crazy? You know what would just be absolutely crazy if Morehouse sent Dwight a bill? But you know what would be crazier if Sally Mae sent Dwight loans to collections and it ended up on his credit report as unpaid? 
But what would be the craziest is if Dwight, after having his loans paid, was still sending checks to pay off his debts. More than that, the craziest, most outrageous, most bizarre thing in the universe is a Christian who keeps trying to pay for sin that has already been paid for. That's bizarre. I know you died for my sins, God. I know what you did for me. But God, let me just, I'm going to cut out pork this week, Lord. I'm going to cut it out, Lord, because I love you, God. I'm going to stop going to the club this week because I'm trying to get right with you. It's foolishness. Many of you struggle with knowing, with experience, with extensively embracing the benefits of God's redemption. We talk about the benefits of God's redemption. We raise our hands. We shout in this place. But I wonder if we feel it in our souls. Because sometimes we struggle with experiencing the reality of what God has done. Now, let me tell you, I've never, ever, ever seen somebody get their debt paid and they just stay calm and cool about it. <laughs> hey, I don't, care, I don't care if it's $5. If you pay something off for me, watch out, because homeboy doing a backflip, I'm doing a cartwheel, I'm doing something. Somebody paid my water bill one time, I hit the block running. I was like, thank you, Lord. Hey, 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 you know, I got the, all I needed was some music. And, and, and it amazes me that we can watch our basketball teams win and, and we can shout. It amazes me that, that, that we can graduate from school and we can shout, but, 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 but when it comes to hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, we get all sophisticated, we get all stiffed, and we don't want people to know uh, 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 that we love Jesus. But when you get your debt paid, you say, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And that's all right because that's an appropriate response. So if you don't mind, let me praise them real fast. God, thank you, Lord, for paying off my debt. Thank you, Lord, for cleaning me up. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, that I'm standing here today cleansed in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I, I praise your name. I bless your name. I give you glory. I give you praise because you're worthy of all the praise. You're worthy of all the glory. I wish I had some saints in the room that knew what it was to be debt free. I'm so grateful of his grace. If ever you wonder if you're worthy to come to church, you remind yourself that the man that's preaching to you is just as broken as you are, just as fallen as you are. And if God can use me, good God almighty, he can use anybody. Sometimes me and Ken around the church, we, we talks about who's the chief of sinners. Ken be like, oh, I, I messed up Jack. I know, dog, I got this one. I'm jacked up, messed up. But here's the thing Paul says, who would bring any charges against God's elect? What a wonderful question. Paul, thank you for, for asking that question. And, 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 and the answer is clear. There are many people who bring charges against God's elect. 
there are many people who bring accusations against God's elect. Prosecuting attorney number one, take, take, take your place in the courtroom. The number one at the top of the list is Satan. Y'all know who he is? Yeah, I know some of y'all, 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 y'all educated and y'all don't believe in the devil no more. And, 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 and because, because y'all didn't took psychology and biology and y'all don't believe in the spirit world anymore. But the Bible says that we have a real enemy and his name is Satan. And he's still alive and real today as he was 2,000 years ago. And check it out. Here it is, the book of Revelation. It gives us a window into the spiritual world. Here it is. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying... Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Watch this. For the accuser of our brother has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Friends. Satan goes before God daily accusing the saints. We don't see it with our natural eyes, but in the spiritual world, Satan is always accusing and bringing your charges before God. Satan makes sure that God is reminded of the things that you have done. You remember in the book of Job when Satan paid God a visit and he said what? God, Job doesn't worship you for any reason. He worships you because you give them things and, and, and you gave them cattle and you gave them camel and you, and, and, and you also gave them children but if you take those things away he wouldn't worship you what was Satan trying to do he was trying to prove to God that, that, that Job didn't really love him could it be that Satan has slandered you by name to the God Almighty did Satan try to condemn you after what you did last night Satan always goes before God, but does his accusations and does his charges stand before God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There is never the danger that Satan with all of his cleverness and willingness will be able to come forward one day and produce a clause that brings me under condemnation. God knows it is all infinitely better than seven, seven Satan does. God knows all about the law in its every detail, comma, jot, and tittle. So nothing and no one should ever be able to bring this charge against God's elect, says Martin Lord Jones. Why does his case fall short in the courtroom? Why does his charges fall short in the courtroom? I didn't have anything special to say, so I'm just going to give it to you the way I can say it. A don't stand because he nailed them to the cross. I wish I had something better to say. I know you were looking for something prolific, but all I got is that he nailed them to the cross. Pastor, where you find that at? Oh, I did my homework. I found it over in the book of Colossians, just in case you wanted to know. Here it is. In you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses, by counseling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, here it is, watch your shout, nailing it to the cross. Now, I almost shouted there, but watch the rest of the verse. This is where it gets good. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in 
him. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, the army of Satan had gathered together. They had all their armor on. They had their weapons. But when Jesus said it was finished, God stripped them naked. They didn't have nothing. They were out there like an army with no shields and no weapons. And because Jesus triumphed over them, because you're in Jesus, you too triumph over Satan. Friends, this is important. Lean in with me because... The church of Colossae, the reason why Paul is writing this is because the church of Colossae was scared of the kingdom of darkness. They seen Satan possess people. They seen Satan trample over people and they were scared of the underworld. In fact, they were offering sacrifices to Satan to keep him back. But God wanted to remind the church of Colossae that no charge and no scheme of Satan will ever stand against you because I nailed it to the cross. Well, if you thought that that was enough, if you thought Satan was against you, there's something else that was standing against you. Prosecutor number two is the law. All y'all know about the law. Sin is any violation of God's law in action or intent. The law condemns us, and it should because we violate it all day long. We sin. If you can't say amen, say ouch. The Bible says thou should not lie. How are you doing? The Bible says thou should have no other gods before me. How are you doing? You want to put up that Baptist finger and walk out, don't you? The Bible says thou should not steal. Even that number two pencil that wasn't yours when you were a little boy, yeah. God knows what you did, uh-huh. The law condemns us, but there's not an issue with the law. It's an issue with us. Listen, the law is so good that it shows us that we're not good. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus is so good that he actually makes us good. Why can't the law condemn you? Why doesn't the charges stand against you? Because, watch it here, I ain't got nothing profound or prolific, but here it is because God nailed it to the cross. The reason the law can't do anything with you is because it couldn't do nothing with Jesus. Tony Evans says this. This is the one reason we take communion. You know, the cup and the bread, the reason, one of the reasons we take it is because the Bible says that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Who are we proclaiming that to? We're proclaiming to the underworld. We're proclaiming to the devil every time we take the body and blood of Jesus that you lost. We're proclaiming to the law that you lost and the victory is ours. The law stands against us. Just when we thought we were drowning in debt, prosecutor number three steps up. And this one right here is going to touch home right here. I'm coming to your house on this one. The third thing that condemns us is our conscience. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the prosecutor that goes to bed with you. I'm talking about the prosecutor that stops preachers from preaching. The prosecutor that stops teachers from teaching. This one right here is a hard one. Nothing condemns you like your own 
conscience does. Nothing weighs on us like our own conscience does. What do you do when your own soul is condemning you? I'm not talking about your enemies. I'm not talking about people who don't like you. I'm talking about you and you know you love you some you and you is condemning you. What do you do when you is condemning you? Reminds me of this guy in Pennsylvania a man had to clear his conscience by paying a 44-year-old parking ticket. This, this is a good brother here. <coughs> Four decades later, they're going to have to catch me. <coughs> I'm, just, I'm just keeping it real. They're going to have to catch a brother. <laughs> but, but check it out. My man's was tripping, right? And so he sends to the Pennsylvania Police Department. Uh, they receive a letter. Uh, a $5 with a note inside. The return address uh, was feeling guilty, is what they said. The police chief, Michael Combs, told local news, the note said, Dear PD, I've been carrying this ticket around for 40 plus years. I don't know why. Always intending to pay. Forgive me if I don't give you my info. That's a brother. I don't care what nobody say. I know a brother when I see one. I know him. I know. Yeah, I know him. I feel it in my soul. Respect Dave. The fine for the 1974 parking ticket in the eastern Pennsylvania town was $2. But check him out. This, I know it's a brother again. But the person added $3 for interest. <laughs> Brothers ain't going over $5. <laughs> Even when we go out to eat, you get $3. All you get, you ain't getting nothing else. One, two, three, that's it. Y'all gonna get y'all giggles out. Woo! Yeah, let me bring it in. Ah, it is. But in all, in all honesty, we carry our own guilt in our back pockets. Nothing has people running away from God like their own conscience. But what does the word say to our conscience? Come on, 1 John 3, 20 through 21. For, for whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Oh, y'all didn't catch it. Y'all didn't shout. Here it is. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And what Paul, I mean, what John is trying to say is what I said at the beginning. You don't have the power to forgive yourself, but God is greater than you. And so if God has forgiven you, even you can't condemn you, friends. God is for you. And he is against that part of you that is against you. If God justifies you, not even you can condemn you. So will you stop carrying those old parking tickets around and realize that even your parking tickets have been nailed to the cross? I got one more prosecutor for you. Here it is. Hold on to yourself. Other people. Y'all chill, just keep looking at me because I want everybody to know that we godly up in here. Other people, y'all know who I'm talking about. Those co-workers that say, I thought you believed in Jesus. Hmm. 
Why are you rocking the vending machine to get them free chips? Mm-hmm. I knew you wasn't right. I knew you wasn't right. I seen it in you. Uh-huh. The moment they catch you slipping, the moment they kept catch you dipping, they slide up on you and say, hmm, I thought you was a Christian. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? Oh, because y'all saved and sanctified. My bad. It's just me. But they call you hypocrite. They call you bigot. They call you holier than thou. They call you the Bible stumper. They, 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 they say all of these things against God's people. And the reality is, is that sometimes they telling the truth on us. Sometimes we're angry and sometimes we're mean. And sometimes we do things that we shouldn't do. And sometimes we fall short of those things. And we ought to repent of those things. And ask for forgiveness but here's the thing no matter how much they try to condemn you it'll never stand because even their accusations have been nailed to the cross I wish I had something better but that's all that I got that he nailed it to the cross you take whatever it is that they bring against you and God has nailed it to the cross Okay, let's shift into the relational part of this thing. We understand the legal part of this thing, but let's go to the relational part of this thing. If you don't mind, go over to the Gospel of John with me, chapter 8. I want to read this story to you. Here it is. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. If you're not with it yet, they're having church. They're at the synagogue. People are chilling. They're hearing the preacher preach. Jesus is giving the word. Check this out. This is the craziest church scene I've ever seen. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. Okay, that's like somebody finding you right now in your sin, bringing your tail in the front and say, hey, we got him. <laughs> we seen him. We have passed him. What we going to do? He's out there foul. We got, we got, we, we got DM messages. We got, we got Instagram photos. We got witness. We got it all, Pastor. What we gonna do in the middle of church service? Right after we just got singing, I know it was the blood. They bring them on up there. You can stay with me. And they said to him, "Watch this, teacher. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery." Now in the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Watch the law coming in. The law requires her to be stoned. She should have got stoned that day. So what do you say, Jesus? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. You got to watch church folks. They'll even try to get Jesus arrested if they can. But Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone. Let that sit on us. We're so quick to accuse. We're so quick to point fingers and we're so quick to throw stones. But the Bible says before you throw a stone, before you condemn somebody, you take a good look in the mirror, buddy, because you got your own skeletons in your own closet. You got your own issues. And I think that the church would be a better place if we understood the ridiculous, uh, the, the, the downfall of our own soul. I tried to say a word that wouldn't come out, but that's all right because I kept it moving. But here it is that sometimes... You got to look at yourself. So here it is. They bring the law in. 
they bring in their own accusations. And Jesus says, whoever has not sinned, I want you to throw the stone. Check it out. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. I don't know what Jesus is writing on the ground, but, but, but that doesn't matter. But when they heard it, they went away one by one. Because the reality is, is as much as we want to condemn and gossip about other folks, the reality is, is that we're not above the law ourselves. We just is jacked up. And so when God says, whoever's not guilty, go ahead and throw the stone, everybody gone. And there's one that's left. And it's Jesus. And he's standing there with this woman who's been caught in her sin. And she deserves to be stoned. And here's the funny part. The one who was able to stone her didn't stone her. The one who could stone her got rid of all of her accusers. The thing that I love about Jesus is that when Christ is at the center of your life, all those who were condemning you have got to get out of the way. Because when the Lord of glory shows up, there ain't no charge that can stand against you. The law got to drop his stones. Satan got to drop his stones. People got to drop their stones. Because when Jesus shows up, but here's the thing. The reason why they got to walk away is not because we're good people. It's not because we got it together. It's because he's planned to take the stone for you. In other words, Jesus got you covered. Let me say it again. Jesus got you covered. I brought an illustration because I knew the people of God was going to struggle with it. Check it out. I just applied for some life insurance. I'm in my seat after this. God bless you real good after this. But here it is. I applied for some life insurance not too long ago. And the lady, I sat down with the lady. She gave me my quotes. She showed me the numbers. I was like, that one's too high. A brother can't afford that one. Can you slide me down the slide? I think that Paige and the kids will be all right in this slide. And so anyways, and so she runs some numbers. She finally gave me numbers that look good. I said, amen, I'll take that one. I can do that. So, 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 so all of us, I was like, well, so where do I sign? She said, hold on, you don't sign yet. We got to send somebody out to your house. You know, our brother don't like people showing up to his crib, so I needed to know who was coming. And so she told me that it was going to be a nurse that showed up at my house. And so here it is. I'm sitting in the house. The lady pulls up in the driveway. Little short lady, real nice. She real sweet. Knocks on my door. She say, can I speak to Dexter Harris? I said, here I am. She says, I'm here for your life insurance exam. And what I'm going to need from you is a sample of your blood. Y'all educated. Y'all know where I'm going. And so I don't like needles, but I got to take it because I love my family. And so here it is. She takes out a needle. She puts it in my arm. She takes the blood. I say, now where do I sign? She said, hold on. You don't sign yet. We'll only cover you if the blood comes back good. Oh, friends, here it is. What I'm trying to tell you is that God has covered you because the blood came back good. 
And as long as the blood comes back good, God has got you covered for, oh, here it is. Hold on, hold on. But, but here it is. I got my shout on too. But here it is. She said, if the blood comes back good, we'll cover you for life. Friends, there's blood that's better than my blood. And it's Jesus. It don't just cover you for life. It covers you for an eternity. So the reason you ought to shout, the reason you ought to praise, if you ain't got another reason, because you ought to know that the blood still speaks today. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. But the difference from my blood and Jesus' blood is that my blood apparently wasn't sufficient because I'm still paying for my life insurance. Every month they send me a bill. If you don't pay, we don't cover you. But friends, the blood of Jesus is so sufficient that you'll never receive a bill. You'll never receive a payment because what God did on the cross was sufficient. When he said it was finished, it was finished. So I don't know about you. If I can go back to Allstate one more time, just out of the way Allstate says it, Allstate stand. Are you in good hands? What they mean is when the disaster come, all state will still be standing. And because all state is standing, you'll still be standing. Friends, the storm is going to come. The trials are going to come. The problems are going to come. But I came to tell you that you're in good hands and you're going to be all right. Because I know it was the, I know it was the, come on worship team, let's sing it like we mean it. Let's stand on our feet and worship him.